day 24 of National Podcast Post Month. I am your host, Ben Beck. Welcome to the spotlight. And I know what you're thinking. You're reading the name on this one, and you're thinking, did, did he really have this person on? Yes, we really did have Tiffany Haddish on the program, and she was wonderful. She was an absolute blast. Uh, Tiffany has since completely blown up in Hollywood since we had her on. So it's it's fun that we can look back and and we can say to Tiffany Haddish, we knew you when. Uh, she was on promoting one of the first gigs she had ever gotten outside of comedy, which was the Carmichael show, uh, which didn't last too long. But you know what? Doesn't matter. She has blown up and she has worked with so many big names in Hollywood, uh, in- including names like Kevin Hart, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, she's just completely huge now. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll be able to use that, or I'll be able to use that We Knew You When to get her back on the program and talk to her and just explore her career, what's happened with it since she joined us then. But it, it's it's one of those names that we're incredibly proud to say, like, yes, I had her on my show, and it's, it's awesome. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Day 24 of National Podcast Post Month, The Spotlight. Rewind with Tiffany Haddish. All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. Our guest this week is a hysterical stand-up comedian who can be seen in movies such as Meet the Spartans and Janky Promoters, as well as being a a regular on the series If Loving You Was Wrong. Uh, But more notably, she can be seen on the NBC series The Carmichael Show, which premieres for its second season this coming Wednesday, March 9th, with back-to-back episodes following The Voice. Please welcome the wonderful Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany, thanks for spending some time. Oh, thank you for having me. Yay! I got clap, s- clap, 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 clap. <laughs> yeah, there's only <laughs> there's only two of us. Sometimes it, it seems kind of weird if we do like the little fake applause in the background. <laughs> we might start adding like an you applause should, track. You should see me when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, clap, clap, clap. You woke <laughs> up today. Yay! <laughs> um, I got to say... I got to say, too, I remember seeing you. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I saw you on At Midnight and because I love that show. I watch that show all the time. And um, so, I mean, that was one of the first times I ever really got to see you. Uh, But, you know, as I mentioned, the second season of The Carmichael Show, it's got to make you feel good to know that you're part of something that is because it's really rough sometimes, especially only getting six episodes that run in the summer. But you got the, you know, you got the second season, which has got to feel good. Yeah, it feels great. I was telling Gerard the other day, like, uh, you know, all I ever wanted to do in my whole entire career is just be a part of something that means something. And I feel like, you know, the Carmichael show definitely means something. It's making, it's making noise and it's, it's creating conversation and I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, for the, for our listeners who haven't had a chance to see Carmichael show yet, uh, tell us a little bit about your character and, and who she is on the show. Well, my character is Makisha. What? And Makisha is a very fun-loving, bubbly person who might have a little street credit, uh, maybe a whole lot of street credit. Uh, and and uh, she plays um, Gerard's 
ex-sister-in-law, she's married to his brother, and they're getting this divorce, but it's like they're getting a broke people divorce, so they just decided <laughs> to move out of each other's, like, locations. But at first, we, like, still live in the same house, but she's dating dudes and bringing them in the house because they on that, you know, poor people divorce. When we just say we divorce, but we not divorced by law, but we divorce, though. You know, it's expensive. It's cheap to get married, but it is expensive to get a divorce. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you're working with such a great cast. I mean, as you you know, the show was created by Gerard uh, Carmichael. You've got David Allen Greer on the show as well. I mean, it's uh, such a great cast. Have you worked with uh, or performed with Gerard rather before you even started doing Carmichael show? Oh, yeah. I remember when Gerard first moved to Los Angeles and uh, he was performing at the Laugh Factory. And I was like, who is this little boy? <laughs> <laughs> He's funny, but he needs to get his clothes together. Like, what's going on here? And, you know, when you first move to L.A., like, finances aren't exactly where they need to be. Uh, I mean, this is a hard city to live in. And once you uh, get your footing right, then you're on. And, and Gerard was always so smart and so clever and such a great writer that I, I knew there would be no problem for him in Hollywood. I knew he would, like, blow. Just It just needed to be the right people to see him. Yeah. Was it... Um... Was it a, a personal invite from Gerard to be part of the show, or was this something that you had to audition for? Well, let me tell you. Okay. Um, okay, so actually, I'm not a series regular on If Loving You Is Rock anymore, but I was at the time. Okay. And I was, and we were in hiatus, and I didn't have nothing going on. And I was really good friends with Little Rail, the guy that plays my husband on the show. And he was telling me that Gerard had got a pilot and that, it's going to go, and they hired him. And I was like, oh, man, that's cool. He's like, man, you should play my, my girlfriend, my wife. And I was like, I would love to. But they had the auditions, and they hired some other girl. They never called me in. So then I run into Gerard, and I had just watched his special and just talked to Little Real. And I run into him at the comedy club, and I walk up to him, and I say, Gerard, I'm so proud of you, man. I saw your special. Good job. And congratulations on the show. And he's like, oh, thanks, dear, thanks. And I was like, yeah, but I feel like it's real disrespectful how you didn't invite me me to audition or nothing while you sitting up here telling everybody you like me telling everybody you think i'm so talented you up in my face saying you, you admire my comedy but you didn't invite me to shit what's really going on that's messed up but if you need help with anything just let me know give me a call i am here for you if you need to stand in you need somebody to run lines with you a pa whatever i'm here to be of service and he was like okay <laughs> and then like Two weeks later, I get a phone call um, asking if I can come in and help with the table read because the girl that they hired was doing a play. So I help with the table read. And then the next day, they called me and asked me if I could come in and rehearse with them because the young lady that they hired is still doing this play. So I ended up rehearsing with them for like three days. And then um, the girl comes back, and then I go, like, uh, I go to audition for Craig Robinson's show, uh, Mr. Robinson, yeah. and I was auditioning for the part that Megan Good was playing. So I had my hair done real cute, had my spanks on, looking super sexy, you know what I'm saying, makeup, everything, boom, boom, legs, got the Vaseline on it. I'm ready, right? <laughs> so then uh, I decide I'm going to walk across the way and go say hi to everybody since I'm on the same lot. It's so I audition, and I go across, and I say hi, and everybody's like, oh, my God, Tiffany, you look amazing. Ah! And they all going crazy over Tiffany. And I leave, and an hour later, I get a phone call asking me if I want the job. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And that's how I got the job. It sounds like it sounds like you almost scared them a little bit into getting you into the table read at first. Well, you know, you know what? That's how I get most of my jobs. I have to... <laughs> 
I have to talk crazy a little bit. Like, hey, hey, did you know I was talented? If you didn't know, let me tell you. You better get on the Tiffany Haddish bandwagon. I mean, that's how I got the CBS Diversity Showcase like eight years ago. <laughs> uh, going into Sometimes you got to let them know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, going into um, a little bit of your of your story as well, kind of your background here. Uh, I don't I don't like to use hyperbole and all that stuff much, but uh, going into your background a little, the story that I read, um, it's kind of remarkable. It's kind of the word that I thought of when I read your story. Um, what, mm-hmm. what can you tell us about how you grew up and uh, and how you got into comedy? Well, um, I'm, I grew up here in South Central Los Angeles, and um, I ended up in foster care because my mom had got in a really bad car accident and became like um, mentally not prepared, not ready to take care of five kids. And so um, I'm the oldest of five, and we ended up in foster care, and it was a uh, really difficult for me um, that tr- that whole transition and everything, living with strangers, you know. Um, and I was always considered to be a wall because I would leave and go see check on my brothers and sisters because. I was always raised with the uh, idea of you have to take care of family and you need to, like, look out for your brothers and sisters. So I was always going to court and stuff and getting in trouble. And um, I was going to this school. They sent me to the school in the Valley. And it, uh, that was my first time being around, like, a lot of white people. I thought I was at the Nickelodeon Awards, okay? Like, I was like, oh, my God, all these white kids is amazing. Everybody's on TV. Like, that's why I thought white people lived on television. And, um, <laughs> and I just wanted to be with them. And so um, I used to get in trouble in school every day because I didn't know how to fit in. And they would be calling me racist and stuff or whatever because I would, like, make really bad jokes. Like, just, I, I don't know. I thought I was sitting in the kids' lab. The teachers didn't think it was funny. <laughs> so my social worker was coming up there every week. And then finally, uh, one summer, she was like, look, you got two choices this summer, Tiffany. You can go to the Laugh Factory Comedy Camp or you can go to psychiatric therapy. Which one you want to do? And I was like, which one got drugs? She said, you're going to be on drugs if you go to therapy. <laughs> and so I went to the comedy camp, and here I am um, 10 years later, you know, on drugs and telling jokes and living my dream. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah it, it, it sounds like, um, I mean, you turned the situation in the best as possible, and you, you can joke about it. How much of this story kind of is the, uh, is the roots of your, of your comedy here that we can expect? Uh, all of it's the root of my comedy. I mean, yeah. I got to, like, I thought, like, now, like, now I've gotten more comfortable with, um, you know, telling, talking about it. Yeah. You know, like, I talk about living in a different foster homes now when I'm on stage. I talk about, you know, the different social workers, the judges, and the, the, the lawyer that I had, you know, the kids that used to make fun of me for being in foster care. And, and, and uh, it took my grandma to tell me that, you know, because I used to think I wasn't worth anything. I used to think I was, like, garbage, you know. Like I, don't, like, I don't have a mom. I don't have a dad. Like, I'm just passed around from here to here. And my grandma was like, look, the, when she got custody of me, she was like, look, the state of California is paying me a lot of money to make sure you don't die. You are very valuable, okay, baby? You are state property. If anything, you're more valuable than any of these kids because their mamas and daddies have to take care of them. The government is paying me to make sure you stay alive because you got something special to do on this planet. And so I started thinking that way, like, hey, I'm valuable. (laughs) Hey, bitch, you might got a mama and a daddy, but I got a judge and a lawyer. Do you got a judge and a lawyer? I don't (laughs) think so, bitch. I'm special. (laughs) People got a report about how they raised me. Your mama and daddy don't have to report to nobody. They can do whatever they want to you. Uh, People have to get reports about me, you know. (laughs) So... 
I started feeling really important and special. And then that right there, and then going to that comedy camp and being around those comedians like Charles Fleischer, like the reason I was getting in trouble in school is because I was just trying to be funny because I watched this movie called Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And yes. the detective said to the rabbit, why are these people doing this nice stuff for you? And he said, because I make them laugh. Eddie, if you make people laugh, they'll do anything for you. And so I was trying to use that <laughs> to make friends, to get people to do, let me copy their homework, all kind of stuff, because I could barely read. You know, I, I, I was really good at taking care of kids. That's what I was good at. School stuff, not good at. Getting people to laugh, I'm good at. Getting people to let me copy their homework, real good at that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Take it so, away. Uh, yeah. And then the uh, that choice that you had between the, uh, the psychiatric, psychiatric therapy and the comedy camp, that kind of... Uh, springboarded you in a different way as well. With you ran into into Richard Pryor at that comedy camp. As yes, well, yes. Richard Pryor came up in there. He rode in there in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh my God! I thought when I saw him come in in a wheelchair, I thought all rich people have wheelchairs, and I need to get one. And now I know better. But <laughs> he came in there in that wheelchair. He was watching me perform. He stopped me in the middle of my little act. He goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm telling a joke." He goes. No, you're not. I said, yes, I am. He goes, no, you're not. Yes, I am. He goes, well, I, I said to him, well, what do, you, what do you think I'm doing? He said, you're getting on my damn nerves. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, look, people don't come to comedy shows to hear about your problems or what's going on in the world of politics or to hear about celebrities or anything. They come to shows to have fun. So when you're on stage, you need to be having fun. If you're having fun, they having fun. If you're not having fun, they're looking at you like, what the hell did I spend my money on? So have fun. And I've taken that with me in everything that I do. Yeah, yeah 100%. It seems like you like to have fun uh, with everything. And it yeah. seems like you might have a little bit more fun doing comedy than drama. But if I'm not mistaken, I think if Loving You is Wrong was a drama, right? I I think. Was... Yeah, that was a drama. <laughs> that yes. was a drama. And I was kind of like, and I mean, it was serious, but I was still kind of like the comedy relief because every good drama has a little bit of humor in it, right. you know, um, and so that's what that's what I was. That was my position in that. And then, I mean, I've done like I did a movie for Lifetime where I played like a drug addict, a, a teenage drug addict. And that was uh, drama, you know. Sure. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm pretty I'm good at drama, but like I and, and my life has been full of drama, <laughs> but I would prefer <laughs> To laugh, I prefer comedy. Yeah, yeah, who wouldn't? So, what was it like mm -hmm. doing a little bit of the the comedy and the? I know you said you weren't full time on If Loving You Was Wrong anymore, but what you at? I assume at some point you were on both of them. So, what's it kind of like working on those at the same time and doing that car compartmentalizing, for lack of a better word? Um. Well, being I mean the. Well, I was working at Tyler Perry Studios, and working with Tyler Perry is like, that is work, okay? We sh they shoot like 60 pages in a day. Yeah. So if you know you need to know all your stuff. You need to be on point, be on time, be ready. Like, uh, they get you through their hair and makeup so quick. You're like, well, 20 minutes went by, I'm already ready. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then... And then you're in front of the camera and you go and it is, it is no joking around. There's no, there's no playing. It is. And, and, and I found it to be very fun because it's like, man, I came, I came in here prepared and it's like, you go to work, you do your job and then, and then you, you go home and it might be 12, 13 hours later, but you know, it, I, I like that. I like the, the challenge of that. But it's nothing like working on the Carmichael show. I mean, you are I'm working with Loretta Devine and David Allen Greer every day. Like we rehearse, we we you know we 
we do like 40 pages every day we rehearse and then on the shoot day we shoot out the whole script and it's like a little play that we're doing and it's so much fun and we laugh every day and we just and I'm learning so much so much like I mean I I'm working with Loretta Devine you guys (laughs) (laughs) she is like to me like black queen of acting like I love her and I, I just wish she was my mama for real life. <laughs> She's amazing. Well, I mean that that uh, show that show had me sold with with David Allen Greer. I mean, because I've been a David Allen Greer fan since God, going back to like nineteen ninety with In Living Color. Right, he was one of my mentors in the comedy camp, and he does. He's like, I don't, I'm not that old. I don't remember that. I don't, I, no, I was. I'm like, you were there. It was me, Amanda Bynes, you. Like, <laughs> so, it's pretty awesome. It's really awesome. I remember watching him on The Living Color and trying to do all his characters. And then when he came to the comedy camp, I was like, I was like, I wrote a song about it. Want to hear? Hit go. <laughs> and sometimes at work. Sometimes at work now, I'll do it to him and he'll be like, shut up, Haddish. Just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You give it to him for being on Dancing with the Stars, right? You have to. (laughs) No, I didn't even know he was on Dancing with the Stars. Thank you for telling me that. Now Now you have ammunition to go back with. Oh, man, because he be trying to roast me. We roast each other every day. It's so much fun. Oh, now that I know that. Hmm. I didn't, even know, I didn't know he was on Dancing with the Stars either. I got his IMDb page up, and he's got pictures up. So oh, does he? Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm gonna have to look that up. I have to find the footage. <laughs> oh no, there it is. He's at yeah. He was uh, 2009. He was in Dancing with the Stars. Wow. Now you have some ammunition provided by us to go back to David Allen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm definitely using it. Thank you, fellas. Thank you. you. (laughs) Uh, How many episodes are we going to get a Carmichael show this season? Or is it still going to be another season? No, it's going to be 13 episodes this season. Oh, great. And, um, yeah, it's going to be really fun. Premiere March 13th on a Sunday. And I think they're going to do a little sneak peek on the 9th. They're doing yeah. a little sneak peek. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. going to do back-to-back on, uh, at least that's what we saw. They're going to do back-to-back after The Voice, which is a great lead-in for you guys, too. Yeah. I mean, The Voice is, yeah. which is, is really strong. So, I mean, so what I'm definitely going to check out uh, season two. I'm looking forward to it. But I can't let you go without bringing up Keanu, which is premiering <laughs> April 29th. I'm a huge Key and Peele fan, so I mean, not only that, but I mean, the cast in this movie is so good. I mean, you have Jason Mitchell, who's coming right off of Straight Outta Compton. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Will Forte, Louise Guzman, uh, Nia Long, Method Man. I mean, this is this has the potential to be such a great comedy. And if it's anything like what Key and Peele write for or used to write for their show since their show is finished now, like I, I can't wait to see this movie. Oh, you are going to laugh so hard. Look, okay, first off, I haven't even seen the whole movie yet. And last week I had to do ADR, right? And so just on those parts alone, I was, like, laughing so hard. I'm like, hey, you guys, I have to take a break to go to the restroom because I'm going to pee on myself. (laughs) It was so funny. And, like, they had us do it. Like, we had to, like, because, I mean, it's a rated R movie, right? But they want to get it ready for television, too, to, like, air on TV. So we had to, like, redo a lot of the words. I'm like... Oh, my goodness. It's, we have to put this on tea, like, instead of saying, hey, you niggas, it's like, hey, you nerds in the right place. <laughs> I'm like, just put that in the movie. Just make that the movie. And it's like, a, a part I have to say, hey, motherfucker, get the money. Instead of saying, motherfucker, I'm like, hey, mother Hubbard. <laughs> you know what, though? I love, I, I'm so glad that 
that te- that studios got smart about that though, and you do that voiceover for television rather than having it overdone. I mean, like you have there are some movies back from like the eighties and the nineties that get played on television now, and the voiceover for those for those words are so ridiculous because they didn't plan <laughs> yes. ahead for that. Yes. So, oh my goodness. But now they have you it's guys. So uh, but I mean, I I can't wait. I'm just a movie about. Uh, you know, two guys posing as drug dealers for a gang just to get back a cat is just, oh, God, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, and this cat is, you know what's so crazy about it? Okay, so we used, like, eight cats in this movie, and the last cat that we used, which is, like, the cat that, like, runs during all the gun shoot, shooting and stuff, <laughs> um, it, like, I had to hold her a lot, right? Um, and so every time I would hold her, she would, like, fall asleep or um, when they would take her away from me, she would cry. And so the trainer's like, maybe this is your cat. You should have this cat. And I'm like, oh, I got two dogs. I don't know. And I had one of my dogs with me while I was there. And it's like, well, let's see if the dog and the cat get along. And so they got along really good. And they're like, you should keep the cat. And I'm like, well, why don't you keep the cat? You're the trainer. It's your cat. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, no, I got this is a rescue cat. These cats are rescues. So, you know. We got to find him a home once the movie's over. And I was like, okay, well, I'll take the cat. So he said she had one more scene to do in L.A. So they had a scene where the cat's walking through the streets and stuff in L.A. And um, then I'm at the Laugh Factory coaching kids at the comedy camp. Like, because I've been going back ever since I stopped, you know, ever since I graduated, I've been going back and helping out. And he comes up there, the trainer comes with the cat, and all the kids are like, oh, my God, there's a cat. And I'm like, this cat is famous. She's about to be in all these. She's about to be in this movie. This is a famous cat. And now the cat lives with me, and it is big as hell. (laughs) (laughs) This cat is bigger than a dog. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Is this, um, I mean, you would probably know better than us. I think this is something we've talked about on our show before, too. But is this, is the movie plot almost kind of like a twist, a comedic twist on the Keanu Reeves movie, John Wick? Um... I don't know, maybe a little bit, but it really has nothing to do with Keanu Reeves. (laughs) It's like, it's more, it's more a twist on a couple of other movies. Okay. Like when you see it, when you see it, you're going to be like, oh, that's that movie. Oh, this, I know with that, like, yeah. All right. It's good. really funny, though. Yeah, I, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing it. I, I can't wait. Um, but, you know, as we mentioned, Keanu is going to hit theaters on April 29th and Carmichael show premieres this week uh, to avoid yes. to sneak pre uh, sneak preview two episodes right after the voice on Wednesday, March 9th and then return it on Sundays, uh, March 13th. Uh, and uh, you have a Twitter account as well, right? At Tiffany Haddish. Yes. Yes. At Tiffany Haddish. Everything you can find me, Tiffany Haddish. Very easy to okay. find me. So yeah, yes, we're def- no dick pics, no dick pics, please. No dick pics. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that from us. So <laughs> and we'll make I don't sure know that- what's going. It seems like the more popular I get, the more dick pics are popping up in my DMs, and I don't like that. <laughs> Send me should- some pictures of money. You should turn- <laughs> can't you can't you turn the DMs off? I think you can set it so that you can't receive DMs. Well, you are you serious? How do you do that? Uh, I don't know. We'll talk after the interview. <laughs> yeah, because I would like to figure out how to do that. I mean, if somebody's going to send me a picture, send me some picture of credit score and some money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Tiffany, thanks so much for spending some time with us. This was this was great. Thank you. Thank you.